Greetings in the Lord Jesus. You could uh, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12, where we will start this morning. We uh, all recently in an instruction class with uh, Brian and Crystal, not sure how it came up anymore, but confession came up, and Crystal particularly had her journey has led through the Catholic Church, and, and so we talked a little about confession, and I thought, well, I'm going to preach about confession. So we're going to talk about confession this morning. <clears throat> of course, the Bible says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. He that hides them won't prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. That's Proverbs 28:13. Whoso confesseth them and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And of course, 1 John 1, 9, we're all familiar with. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to look at a couple Old Testament passages here to begin with. <clears throat> In 2 Samuel chapter 12, well, in chapter 11, you have the story of David and his adultery with Bathsheba. Murder. David was a man after God's heart, he said earlier. And I don't know how David managed to get so involved in sin like that and not be able to see it himself, but it seemed like, well, he was able to do it anyway. He committed adultery, tried to cover it up with murder. And here in chapter 12, we find Nathan the prophet coming to him. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew together with him and with his children, and it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was as unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took of the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come unto come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given you some more things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. 
And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. This was a crime worthy of death. And Nathan reassured him, Thou shalt not die, howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So Nathan came to David, and uh, you need to be a little careful the way you come to kings, because <laughs> they hold the, light, the power of life and death, Proverbs says, so they can have you dead in an instant if you like. And Nathan started by telling a little story and got David's ire up, and then he said, this is you, and gave him God's word. And David repented, I have sinned against the Lord. Let's go to Psalm 51, which David wrote shortly thereafter, at least as far as we can tell. And listen to his confession. Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, Thou desiredst truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise, for thou desirest not sacrifice else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And I'll stop there. I think probably the last two verses were added to sort of make it a, a, a public worship type of song, and, and up to this part was what David wrote himself at that time, at least. <clears throat> And notice how clearly and forthrightly David confesses his sin. Lord, have mercy upon me. I don't deserve it. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. I don't deserve it. I need your mercy to do it. Wash me thoroughly. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Well, that's... Uh, Let's keep going. Might come back there, might not. 
Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 13 for a, a contrasting view. Confession is what you do when you have sinned and you realize it. In the New Testament, the word confess comes from a Greek word that means to say the same as. So confession is simply agreeing with God. He calls it sin. I call it sin. All right, 1 Samuel 13. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sandwiches on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched at Michmash eastward toward beth And the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed. Then the people did hide themselves in caves and thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? Saul offered an offering. He was not a priest. He had no right to do it. Samuel says, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me in Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath brought him, assault him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. All right, I want to talk about confessing sin to God and and. To confess sin, you have to own it. You have to say the same thing about it God says. You have to say, it was sin, and you have to say, it was my sin. And King Saul here is a good example of somebody who won't do that. He uh, got into a strait, and he said, I forced myself. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> I was in a tight spot and had to. To confess Properly, we need to take God's word seriously and believe he means what he says. Saul simply did not fear God enough. He didn't know God enough. He didn't love God enough. And, okay, we're saved. We're saved by grace. It's a glorious salvation. God has put his spirit within us. We're his. We love him. We want to obey. But when we choose self, for whatever reason, whether we're in a straight or not, we get in straights pretty quick, by the way. That's sin. And we need to learn to hate sin. And 
Most of us find it fairly easy to hate it in somebody else, especially when they sin toward us. That's not what I'm talking about. We need to learn to hate sin in us. When I do wrong, we need to cultivate a, a close relationship with the Lord Jesus so that we do hate sin. You see, right confession comes out of a right relationship. David was a man after God's heart. Yes. But he sinned so greatly. Again, I find it hard to believe almost that he went as far as he did. But when Nathan came to him with God's message, he acknowledged it, he repented, he turned around and went the other way, he confessed it. We need to take God's word seriously. David did. When he prayed there in Psalm 51, he said, Lord, I don't deserve it. According to your mercies, forgive me. Another place he says, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sin. I think that's a pretty big danger for us. We know God is a forgiving God. We know he forgives sin. And it's kind of easy when the temptation comes to maybe not think it, but, well, just go ahead and sin, because we can come back and confess it later. That's presumptuous sin. That gets us in real trouble. We dare not take forgiveness for granted. And like David, our, our guilt and our sorrow and our zeal for cleansing will spring out of our relationship to the Lord. What was David's response to Nathan? I have sinned against the Lord. I've broken a relationship. I'm out of fellowship with God. <laughs> If I can sin without being bothered by it, even a little sin, I'm in trouble. And you are too. <laughs> Beware. Take God's word seriously. Well, take responsibility for your sin. Don't make excuses like Saul did here. The people were scattering. I had to do something. Well, you didn't have to sin. David, did he make an excuse? <laughs> I have sinned against the Lord. A couple chapters later in 1 Samuel, chapter 15, let's read some more about Saul. Take responsibility for your sin. You have to if you're going to confess it. It's my sin. I was wrong. <laughs> 1 Samuel 15. At the beginning of the chapter, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over all his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Destroy everything. 
Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. I uh, noticed that probably the first time this morning what Saul's sin did to Samuel. But anyway, and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place. He set up a monument, is what it means. Behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about, and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleating of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. You notice the pronouns there, they're sort of important. They did it. They did it. Well, but we destroyed them. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the um, Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion Disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. We have to take responsibility for our sin before we can confess it. And, well, there's a number of things that are instructive about this. You notice Saul took the initiative when Samuel came along. And, uh, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of God. And if you've been around a while, you know it does sort of work that way. People who have decided to go their own way can get pretty good at talking about, I mean, talking spiritually. And But Samuel says, I need to say some things to you. 
verse 14, well, what's all this noise in the background? What are all these flocks about that you brought back? And, and Saul caught on right away. The people did that. The people did that. I did what I was supposed to. And Samuel, at any point along, I guess, could have just simply said, and, and who is king here anyway? But he didn't say that. He did go ahead and give him God's message. And again, Saul makes excuses. Well, down in verse 21, 20 and 21, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. The people did that. And they did it so they'd have something to sacrifice. Not my fault. And besides, they did it for a good purpose. Don't blame others. That's what Saul did. And that monument back in verse 12, isn't that something? 13, whichever, isn't that something? Oh well. Anyway, don't wait till you're caught. Saul did. David did too, by the way. But his response was just completely different. I have sinned against the Lord. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. He was sorry he sinned. Saul never got there. God's view of sin, verse 22 and 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And we need to get that view of our sin before we can confess properly. David was caught too. But he wasn't forced into apologizing, and we'll get to Samuel's or Saul's official apology here in a little bit. He did it freely. He realized he'd broken his relationship with God, and he cared about that. He didn't try to shift the blame. I have sinned against the Lord. So take responsibility for your sin. You have to to confess properly. You have to own it for yourself. And then come clean. Uh, if you want my points, here they are. Take God's word seriously. Take responsibility for your sin. Come clean. Don't spare yourself. Don't protect yourself. That's what, Sam, that's what Saul was after. He was still at the center of this thing, and he was still trying to protect himself. Keep it going here. And verse 24. Finally, Saul says, I've sinned. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. In fact, no one else in the Bible said it as often as Saul did. I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Okay, I'm king. Yes, I sinned, but now pardon me because we need to get back to where we belong and so that I look good in front of the people. 
And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned about to go away. He laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he's not a man that he should repent. Then Saul said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. What was David's concern when he realized he sinned? I have sinned against the Lord. What was Saul's concern? Honor me now before the people. David even wrote a psalm about it. Don't protect yourself. Don't spare yourself. If you've sinned, take care of it. Repent. Saul never really did repent. He did say, I have sinned. Both of them did. Took Saul a long time after a lot of persistence by Samuel. Samuel had to keep bearing down on him. And finally, in verse 24, I have sinned against the commandment of the Lord. And to me, <laughs> that's quite a bit different from what David said. You know what David said? I have sinned against the Lord. I've broken this relationship. What am I going to do? Samuel, oh, I broke a commandment. Army now before the people. Saul did not fear God. He did not love God. He did not know God like he should have. If he had, his response would have been a better one. And I don't think Saul ever really caught on that after verse 26 or so, his worship of God was a false worship. It just was not a real worship. He didn't care that he'd broken his relationship with God. He cared that he'd made himself look bad and he wanted Samuel to <coughs> worship with him so he'd look good in front of the people. Now, it's interesting, Samuel said, I won't do it. But then a little later he did do it. And I'm guessing that uh, Saul made it plain, you'd better do it or else. But I don't know, that's not real clear. But anyway, I don't know exactly what all happened in those verses, but that's what I wonder. <clears throat> well, you see, to confess sin, you must own it as sin and recognize it and then go to God like David did. Well, all right, so I want to talk then about confessing sin to others. Confess your faults one to another. James said, can't quite quote it, I think I have it here. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why do we confess sins to each other? Well, why? 
Why do you apologize to someone? You do it because you hurt them. Christian love requires it. If I did something that hurt you, if I uh, keep it simple, if I break your arm, well, I should apologize, right? Especially if I was angry and hit you, well, then I really have some confessing to do. Because there's sin involved. We owe it to them. Our conscience requires it. There's guilt there. The Holy Spirit within us is telling us, you need to make this right. It relieves the guilt. And that's why we uh, teach our little children to say, I'm sorry, and to deal with things with their parents or with others. Uh, it, takes, it just cleanses that guilt away. It does. And it's true for us older folks, too. And it's the right thing to do. Scripture says, if you come to the altar with your gifts, and there remember that your brother hath aught against you, you go to him, you clear it up, and then you come back and worship. You don't worship first. And that's one reason I could say Saul here didn't worship in truth. We confess because our sin brought reproach to the name of Christ. We are Christians and we acted like that. Are we willing to let people think Christians act like that? That's a reproach on Christ. And so to those who knew about it, we confess it as sin and we repent of it and we turn from it. Yeah, and it comes pretty close home. I've told you this before, but I've had to go back and confess my sin to a little child because I spanked them in anger. And the Lord said, that won't work. <laughs> I can't teach them not to be angry if I'm angry. And I had to go back and say, I'm sorry. I spanked you in anger. That was wrong. You needed the spanking, yes, but I, my attitude was wrong. I'm sorry. It's sin. It needs confessing. Even to your little children, by the way. There are broken and damaged relationships that need to be healed. If thy brother hath aught against thee, go get it taken care of. Well, there were Christians who knew about it and were praying that you would repent. Most likely. That does happen, has happened. I thought about that verse in 1 John 5:16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Not sure exactly what all that means, but uh, anyway. And I have this here. I'm not sure if it fits right here. But I'm going to say it now while I'm thinking about it. I am not a fan of forced confessions. I don't like them. Now, I think it's fine for children. I think that's part of life. But in the church, uh, I don't appreciate it if I have to make somebody get up and give a confession. It's pretty poor. Shouldn't have to be made to do it. I want to see 
someone confess their sin because they know it's sin, because they are sorry for it, because they want to deal with it. But to whom do you confess? To whom do you apologize? To whom do you confess? Well, the words are not quite the same, but the usually we're talking about an apology with it. The rule of thumb is you do it as far as it was known to those that were affected by it. And so how oh, I taught high school for about a dozen years, and I was still young, <clears throat> and my temper was still not, not as well under control as it is now. And I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if about every year I had to get up in front of that high school and apologize for losing my temper. And not in every case did every student see it. But you know how those things work in high schools. <laughs> every student knew it. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. So you apologize to the one you wronged? Yes, obviously. That should be about as plain as the nose on your face. You confess it to those who were present. So, okay, I remember several years back, I'm not sure who it was anymore, but playing volleyball out here one night. I think that was back in Byron's time when we were playing with him, weekly, the men folk. Uh, one night somebody got a little hot under the collar or something and 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 it showed and the next morning we got a text or some kind of a communication from him apologizing for it well I don't think maybe didn't come on my phone maybe but anyway someone showed it to me they knew I was there but he took care of it that way to those who were there and knew about it good thing we all knew that he knew what he did wasn't proper and he was dealing with it. Sometimes we just confess to brethren whether they knew it or not. Uh, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I've got this temper problem. I can confess my problem to some brethren. They can pray for me and help me. And yes, my temper problem is much more under control than it was 40 years ago. <laughs> Doesn't mean I don't once in a while still have to <clears throat> take a hold. I uh, thought about this. I preached at Bethany several weeks ago on a Sunday evening. And, and I don't remember the context, but I, I gave this illustration then. As a young man at Bethany, 40 couple years ago, probably one Sunday morning, the Sunday school lesson was on 1 Corinthians 13. And the lesson that morning, it spoke to me. I, I got out of Sunday school class, and when it came time for prayer requests, I got up and just confessed to these people, I have not loved you all like I should have. It, it just hit me so hard. I felt like I wanted to say something. didn't need to. They didn't know it, I don't think. It wasn't that I had sinned against them. It's just that I wanted them to know it, and I wanted them to be praying for me, too. And that helps. It does. I 
On the other hand, there may be some sins that ought not be confessed to the person. I'll tell you another story, long about the same time, actually. I called up a, a man and, and confessed to him that I had, it was a brother in the church, not in that congregation, but I was coming into Southeastern and I didn't know a lot of people all that well. But anyway, I called him up and just apologized that I'd been having some hard, wrong feelings toward him. He hadn't known it at all. He didn't know me all that well. And uh, I decided, you know, that was one time I wouldn't have had to, looking back at it. It just raised questions with him. He said, well, what did I do against you? And you know, I kind of hemmed and hauled around and just said, well, it was my problem. <clears throat> it was. A couple of weeks ago when I preached at Bethany after the service that night, old, older brother there, the only one left anyway from 40 years ago, 40 couple of years ago when we attended there, was talking. we were talking after church and he said, you know, you reminded me of something. He said, way back when you were just young and just coming to Bethany, you apologized to me one time for having hard feelings against me. Oh, okay. I had, I had forgotten. But but it fit. I started putting two and two together. I had already put two and two together about the other one. And the reason I didn't want to tell that man where those hard feelings came from was because they came from someone else. Someone else who had said some things about him that weren't so kind. And I figured it was probably true with the brother the other night. It was the same time. And yes, uh, there was someone in my life right then that I looked up to and was a good brother in the church, but he didn't talk very kindly about other people. And I had imbibed some of that. And the Lord had dealt with me and said, you can't do that. And there are certain sins, by, and that's sort of a bunny trail. You can have that one free. It just struck me in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, okay, I'm beginning to understand how this worked back then. Now, there are certain sins that we say must be dealt with before the church. Uh, rules and discipline cause them gross and grievous sins. Adultery and murder and fornication and things like that. We say they require dealing with in the church. They bring reproach to the body. They need to be dealt with that way. That's the whom. How? How do you go about confessing or even apologizing to someone? And a lot of what I've said already still applies. Be sincere. Make sure it comes from the heart. <laughs> Don't do it because you just have to. Okay, and so the, the Lord's speaking to you, and, and he's saying you need to do it. Well, keep praying until you're ready to do it because you want to be right with the Lord and you want to get this thing taken care of in a way and come back to peace. And in a sense, it's a have-to thing if the Spirit's working, yes. <laughs> get rid of those self-serving thoughts. Honor me now before the people. Get rid of those, uh, it's not fair thoughts. I mean, 
he treated me wrong too. So what? It has nothing to do with it. You apologize for your part. You take care of your sin, not his. You don't even mention his, if there was such. We've got to get to uh, uh, where Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 7. He had written them a letter telling them what they needed to do, and they repented. And I like the way he says this here. Chapter 7, we'll start about verse 8. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. Okay, so I wrote this letter. I know it hurt you. It made you sorry. But I'm not going to be sorry about it, though at first I was a little sorry. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. David's kind of sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. And you don't turn back from that. Saul's kind of sorrow brings only death. Verse 11. For behold this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sorrow. What carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. That you showed you were sorry. You went and you took care of it and nobody doubted for an instant that you meant business. Is the way I read that. And that's the way to do it. If you need to apologize, mean business. And don't leave any doubt. Don't leave any stones unturned. <clears throat> so, don't make excuses. And uh, we're pretty good at that. I, I was extra tired that day. Had a long day. Got home and snapped at my wife. And, and so, well, you know, I was just tired. That was the reason not... No, I chose to act like that. And I need to apologize. Didn't matter if I was tired. Y'all ever do that, by the way? <clears throat> okay. <laughs> if you're apologizing, if you're confessing, don't use if. If I have offended you, that's not an apology. It's a circumlocution. <laughs> it's an evasion. It stinks. It don't work. It's not an apology. I'm sorry. You did hurt them. Say so. And be sorry for it. Don't use but. But kills everything you said. I used it on my mom. I was a, still a very young Christian. and I, I don't know what happened anymore. I got a little angry at her and snapped or something and, and the spirit wouldn't let me get away with that. And I had to go back and apologize. And I said, I'm sorry I got angry at you, but you, whatever she did that got me angry. And you know what? I was back ten minutes later doing it again without the but. The Lord didn't let me get by with it. You can't say but 
if you're apologizing. It's not going to work. It kills what you said be first. I mean, you're not sorry if you're button. Period. <laughs> so don't say it. You, you think through this and you say it clearly and leave out the buts or the perhapses or the maybes or the possiblys or the I guesses. They only show we're not sincere or at least they sure come across that way. And we don't want to come across that way when we're apologizing, when we're confessing. Don't shift the blame. Take full blame for your part. The people did it, but I did my part, so I'll say it. And sometimes it's, yes, well, I did do this, that's true, but you did that even worse thing. Sorry, can't go there. That's just another but that isn't going to help. You see, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to answer for my part. I will not answer for his part. It's not my business. <laughs> and it's not my business to deal with it right then. It might be he did sin. And you could say, yes, but he sins and somebody needs to talk to him. Well, perhaps so, but not when you're making your apology. You deal with your sin. And maybe another time you might need to go back and help him deal with his. Maybe. Not real likely. Speak clearly, straightforwardly, and humbly. Don't beat around the bush. Be specific. Name the sin. Acknowledge that it was a sin against them and against God. Be wide open. Don't slant it to make yourself look better. Oh, I'm so good at that. I have a feeling some more of you are. <laughs> we can say it in the right way. It won't sound quite as bad. On the other hand, don't make it worse than it was. Some of us fall into that once in a while, too. I mean, try to be honest as you can. Probably a little better to make it worse than better. But <laughs> Again, say what you did. Say you are sorry. Acknowledge the hurt. And it, it's good to actually say, I know that this hurt you and that I hurt you by doing this. And I'm sorry. You may ask for forgiveness. I have mixed feelings sometimes about asking someone to forgive me. Uh, you know, if it's somebody outside the church, they're not even a believer, I think I would just say, I'm sorry, and then do everything I can to prove it. Because to them to say, please forgive me, might be saying, uh, give up your right to make me do what I should do to pay for it. And that's not right. You don't want to give them that idea. If you did them wrong, you want to do what you can to make it right. And so especially with someone who doesn't understand forgiveness, I might not ask it that way. Accept the consequences, then. You break it, you broke it, pay for it. Make restitution where you can, 
fully, plus some. New Testament is to give some extra. Yeah, give some interest. Make it plain, you mean business. Prove your repentance. You messed up some relationships besides that one. We'll try to make them right too. You broke trust. Recognize it's going to take some time to rebuild. It just does. You can't expect the relationship to go back to where it was. We're all that way. Once burnt, twice careful. Is that the way it's said? The relationship may never get back to where it was. And it's my fault. I sinned. We have to accept those consequences. But prove you mean it. <laughs> prove you meant it. Repent. Change directions. Do it differently. It ought to be clear to whoever's looking on. Then accept God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And sometimes it does come a little difficult for us. It can. I sinned. I did what it took to, to clear it up. I confessed it to God. I confessed it to them. And I still feel guilty. What's wrong? Well, part of it is I just got so used to feeling guilty that it just didn't go away. But... Go to the scripture, read those promises. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have to claim that. Uh, find somebody to get you some help. There for a time back in those years, I was going to everybody and apologizing for everything, and sometimes I don't even think it was sin. It was a pretty terrible hole to be in. And some of you know what it's like, by the way. Get some help. Don't stay there. That is not God's plan. And I'll be glad to help you. So yes, you have to accept forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself. There's a place for that. You have to be aware of Satan's traps, of, of getting you in that overactive conscience state, that oversensitive conscience. And, and, and sometimes it takes a little help to get through that. But it is possible. God doesn't want us there. So, anyway, that's what I have to say about confession. Let's have a song.